You know, have you ever had those, those projects at work that just seem to be more complicated than they have to be, right? I mean, in your mind, you say, okay, all you have to do is ABC, right? And then somehow it gets, well, ABC, point one, point two, point three, sub point five. You know, it just, it just kind of expands to, oh my goodness, I thought this was supposed to be simple. You know, I thought that, that, that this project wasn't going to be as complicated as all of that. It's much more difficult than it should be. I think we've all felt that at different times, whether it's with our jobs or, or whether it's at home or, or whether it's uh, with uh, our, our community, things that we're doing there. But it's always frustrating to me that churches, that God's people can do that as well. You know, churches uh, over the years have sometimes made things so complicated. And, and it's sad because I truly believe that a lot of people today are open to God. That, that they're seeking God. You know, they don't necessarily know what that's, that looks like, but that's where we come in. That's where the body of Christ can share and show uh, the gospel of Christ. But there are a lot of people who have their spiritual antennas up. They're saying, okay, God, uh, you're doing something. I don't know. What's going on? Who are you? Would you reveal yourself to me? There are a lot of people who are seeking God, but many times churches are blocking them with all kinds of unnecessary layers. And that's why from the beginning we sought to keep it simple at New Hope. We sought to, to uh, um, just, just keep it to the basic things. We, we talked about worship, grow, and serve, right? And th- that certainly presents a challenge more and more as we grow. But if you like having a, a, this church family as a part of your life, and if you believe that it could be even better with God's help, which it always can be, right? Let's make sure that we don't mess it up, right? Isn't that true? If God has been working in this church family and among his people in, in, in such a way, hey, let's, let's do this together, right? Let's make sure that we're keeping it simple. And if we know what God wants, and if we're very intentional, uh, intentional about staying that way, I believe we can do it. And we can be better together. We can join forces with God and one another to see Him work in our lives and, and to see our families changed, to be a part of, of, of other people's lives and families being changed. And that's why we're doing this series called Better Together. We want to discover and understand some of those big rocks, right? We talked about the, the sand and the, the pebbles, and those, but those core uh, 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 priorities in our life that we need to make sure of, that we need to make sure is included in the the amount of time and and what's going on in our life, well, that's also true for our church family. We need to make sure that those priorities, those rocks, are are first. And so that's why we're talking about uh, being better together. We're talking about how God calls us to work together to do his work so that we will do it right, so that we'll do it well. And so far, we've talked about a, a couple of things that, that should be obvious from God's Word. First and foremost, our leader is King Jesus, right? And, and it's not even a contest, right? And, and it's not even a, a symbolic or a figurehead way of saying, okay, Jesus is our leader, but, you know, we're, we're kind of getting it done, right? And, and uh, you know, it, his role in this church is not like the Queen of England, you know? We're talking about true, actual leadership from our God, He is the one that we would be lost without. 
And so we wanted to make sure we have that right at New Hope. You know, we've also talked about how God gives us pastors to provide direction, to provide that that leadership and teaching, but also to provide protection for for our lives and and for our church family. And today we're going to look at another important group of people that God raises up to help facilitate his work through church. Today we're going to talk about ministry leaders, making ministry stronger. We need some people in our church who will work with our pastors and help facilitate ministry. And they help us to be more effective, uh, most effective that we possibly can be in doing ministry, in doing the Lord's work together. And I like that word facilitate to describe the role of ministry leaders. It means to, to simplify or to make things easier to do, to, to lessen the labor, to make it less difficult, to help move something forward. And many churches are not simplifying or making things easier. They're actually making it harder. So we, what we uh, seek to do at New Hope is to make it and to keep it simple. I also like that, uh, the idea of, of mobilize as we talk about Uh, ministry leaders. Ministry leaders mobilize us as a church body for ministry. It means to to prepare and to organize troops for active service. You know, we're we're saying, okay, uh, I want to serve. I want to be a part of God's work in this place. How does that happen? Well, you know what? Our ministry leaders help that to happen. In other words, if if God's people are going to be able to, to be ready and organized, if, if we're going to be able to move out and do ministry together, and if that ministry is going to be simplified and made less difficult to do, if it's going to be the strongest that it possibly can for the Lord and for His purposes, God's plan is to raise up some people in our church to help facilitate those efforts. We need some people in our church who serve as ministry leaders, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, many churches have, have called them deacons, and we've chosen the term ministry leaders, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But regardless of the name, we use, uh, uh, regardless of the name that we use for them, we're going to talk about how they make ministry stronger. So the first thing we're going to talk about is why do we need ministry leaders? Why do we need them in in our lives and and in our church family? Probably the best two passages for understanding this are Exodus chapter 18 and Acts chapter 6. We're going to look first at Exodus chapter 18. And it's going to be on the screen as well. Um, So we're going to look at it together. Exodus chapter 18 verse 21 says, Furthermore, uh, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, how, how uh, Moses was seeking to, to do all of the ministry by himself, and, and his father-in-law, uh, father-in-laws are a source of all wisdom, is what I've heard, so uh, pay attention to them. <laughs> but his father-in-law said, look, you can't do that. That's not how God would have you lead. And as, as Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Lord showed him that in order for God to work effectively among them, 
Like in, in real, practical, daily life kind of ways, as well as uh, communicating the bigger spiritual purposes for the group, for the body. For that to happen, they needed leaders of smaller groups of people. And here there were two million people traveling on a, on a road trip. Can you imagine trying to organize that? And okay, we're leaving at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you have a family of three, you can't get out of the house on time, right? Maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but really, uh, imagine trying to gather that many people and set them on a course together, headed to the place that God had for them, that God had laid out before them, and that God had showed Moses, this is where we need to go. Let's try to get them there, <laughs> right? And the principle here was established that in order for God to work most effectively among them, they needed to break down into smaller pockets of people with leaders for those groups. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, <laughs> there were a lot of people that were following Christ. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. There was an issue in the early church where, where there were a group of people who their, their physical needs were being overlooked. Those who couldn't provide for themselves, the, the church was coming together and saying, we want to help provide for those needs. We want to be a part of meeting that physical need. And, and uh, um, in this case, there were some who that need was not being met. And there was a reason for that. You know, as the early church was getting started, it was booming. I mean, uh, in, in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 4, it talks about that the Lord added to that group 5,000 men. And that's just the men. That's not, uh, I mean, consider possibly even 5,000 more ladies, right? And, and maybe there were some kids in there too, let's just say. That's a lot of people. Can you imagine if this weekend 10,000 people showed up at New Hope and said, we've given our lives to Jesus? What are we going to say? Uh, sorry. We just don't have the space, right? Imagine how many services we'd have to have for that. And we would say, what, what would we say? Praise the Lord. Wow. God, you are doing something amazing in, in this community. And Lord, that you would allow us as a church body to be a part of that. <laughs> wow. But also, wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> what in the world are we going to do? And Acts uh, chapter 5, verses 14 said, even above and beyond the group that we just talked about, multitudes were being added, saying thousands more were being added, thousands more lives were being changed. They were looking to Christ as their Messiah, as their only hope. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, I'm still increasing. <laughs> in Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says, continue to increase Greatly, the church was exploding. God was doing amazing things. And by the way, if you're a Christian who worries about a growing church, you wouldn't have liked the early church, okay? It was growing like crazy. 
And New Hope is, is about the, the 500 people over the course of a weekend. And even that, sometimes uh, we as a church body go, whoa, God, you're doing amazing things in this community, in the lives of so many people. But again, whoa, right? And the early church grew not because they were looking for numbers. They weren't saying, okay, I can't wait until we get to the 5,000 number, right? They were saying, I can't wait until more lives are changed by the message of the gospel. Isn't it amazing? They were passionate about the good news and they were faithful to spread it. And God was working in people's hearts. God was working in people's hearts. Amen? Wow! And as all of that was happening, the apostles, the first pastors of the church there in Jerusalem, they recognized that they needed to share the ministry with some other people. Because if they didn't, the the daylight uh, to dark would demand their complete time and attention And still, things would not all get accomplished. And if they didn't have those other people, it would drown out their time for seeking God for direction and leading the whole effort. It says in in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He was saying, let's make sure that the needs of God's people are being met, both physically and spiritually, seeing that accomplished. And uh, that allows time for us to seek the Lord for direction for the entire group. We're going somewhere. God is working. God is moving. Let's see what it is that he's saying to us. You know, and some churches expect their pastors to do all the ministry. If something is to happen, it's the pastor who has to do it. And as a result, not only are our pastors overwhelmed, but God's work is also stunted. And it's not as healthy and as strong as it would be if we were sharing the load with God-called gifted helpers. And apparently by the time of, of 1 Timothy and, and Philippians chapter 1, this group of ministry leaders had developed even more. And those are, our only, uh, those are really the, the only clear references to this role that we have in the New Testament. You know, we, we talked about how it's implied in, in Acts chapter 6, but the basic idea from, from the beginning was this. Let's spread the ministry out so that more gets done and that the right things get done and that no one gets worn out doing it. So that's why God raised them up in the first place. Now let's talk about what do ministry leaders do. You know, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to go a a little further. First of all, I want to point out that this area of ministry is something that God's people have gotten way off on. You know, many times and in many places, uh, this role is not being accomplished 
in, according, in accordance to what God has shared with us in His Word. And many churches have, have called them deacons, which, uh, 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 all things being equal, that, that's not a problem to, to uh, put that uh, name, but that title on there. But the, um, they hold wrong views of what that role is all about. I want to share with you a couple of those uh, wrong views. One is that they only do care or benevolent sort of things. And that takes Acts 6 and, and makes it their only ministry. That, that's the only thing that, that those uh, uh, leaders are to be a part of. And certainly, uh, you know, we've been talking about CareNet and we've been talking about uh, the servants that, that is going to, to need to, to take care uh, in our, our, the ministries of our church and, and the people that God has brought us, the body of Christ, together. But there are many multitudes of more ministries that need leaders beyond just that one. You know, another view of, of this role that, that, is, uh, that is wrong that, that we, uh, many churches have, have gotten off track on is that it's a badge of honor. You know, you may have heard the phrase, my dad made, uh, my dad made deacon last month, right? <laughs> like, like it's a prize or an accomplishment or a promotion. You know, some groups of churches even see it as a stepping stone to being a pastor. Basically, it's a, it's a mid-level management, and, and I'm working my way up to manager. You know, and, and that's not what God has called this role to be. It is, uh, uh, you see and, and you, you uh, can understand more of the, the servant leadership role that it is intended to be. Another... Uh, struggle that, that has taken place in many churches, uh, and is very common among churches, is that the, this role uh, that many call deacons, that they run the church. So I, I want to talk about that for a minute, because uh, um, this is important as we understand the role that God has given uh, to the church body, and as we look at how God puts us together as a church body. You know, unfortunately, many churches have a, a single pastor model. Instead of having uh, other elders and, and pastors, um, you know, we talked about that last week. Those titles are synonymous, elder and pastor. And he, is, uh, and he has deacons or ministry leaders. And unfortunately, many of those single pastors come and go often. Did you know the average tenure of a pastor is three years? Whoa. I mean, that's just kind of getting your feet wet, right? That's just, I mean, how in the world can we move forward together as a church body in one place if that's the thing that happens? And so what happens? The the deacons, the ministry leaders, become default leaders, ruling the body because they're the ones who are staying. They're the ones who are there. And so God's word teaches us that that is not the New Testament model. There, there's a pattern. That the pattern is for a team of pastors to lead the church. And there are, those, uh, there are others who are not pastors but are spiritually mature who help them and assist the pastors in carrying out the ministry. And we shouldn't make it more than that. We should see what God's word teaches us about these things and do it. Now, those are some of the wrong ways of looking at this ministry. 
But let's, uh, let's take a look at what God intended for them to do. You know, we can look at the, the word that is used for them to better understand their role. And it's not as, as developed as, as that role of pastor and elders and overseers in God's word. Actually, it's, it's harder to find some of those, those passages that deal with this role. And, and I think to a certain extent that's on purpose uh, because it, it gives a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of creativity of how that should be carried out, of what that could look like. But the word that is many times used to describe this, this ministry is deacon, like I mentioned before. And that word deacon is actually a, a transliteration of the Greek word and not necessarily a translation of that word. So l- let me give you an example. It, it, we look at the Greek word, we say it, and we go, man, that sounds a lot like, well, okay, so this is our English word, right? So uh, the, the Greek word is deaconos. Do you hear it? There's kind of the idea of deacon in there. So we've taken that Greek word and we've just kind of sounded it out and put it in English and said, there's our English word. And it's odd to me that, that uh, many have used that Greek word because if we used the Greek word for our pastors, we would call them poimain. Don't call me poimain Chris, okay? <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the idea of it. But we've taken... Uh, it, in the idea of pastors, we've taken that Greek word and we said, okay, this is what it's talking about. It's talking about a shepherd, a pastor. And I suppose it, you know, it's fine to use that term. It, that's, that's not really the, the issue. The issue is that the baggage that many times it brings with it. The wrong views that we talked about a little bit earlier. But actually, it is translated from the Greek to English as table waiter. Its most specific meaning is someone who serves tables, a server at a restaurant. You know, we haven't really used that, uh, that term at New Hope because that sounded a little strange, right? The, the waiters at New Hope. <laughs> By the way, if you're going out to lunch, maybe try that out on, on your waiter. Say, hey, Deacon, I need some uh, a refill. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> But actually, another, uh, tr- uh, I, the idea of that translation is also servant. Uh, the general understanding of the word took on to mean any kind of servant, not just tables. Uh, we haven't used that because it sounds a little strange. These are the servants at New Hope. Another idea of that, maybe a little more developed, is the idea of minister. Someone who serves others in God's name. Who ministers to other people. And probably uh, it's the best choice, but, but people in our culture think minister equals pastor, right? And the New Testament teaches that we are all ministers of the gospel. So we don't want to limit it to a group. In that case, we've chosen to call them ministry leaders. And think about it. These are people who are working with the pastors to carry out a specific areas of the ministry. You know, I can't do it all, and you can't do it all, but if you focus on one area and I focus on another, we can get a lot done, right? And at New Hope, we call them our, our CMT, our Comprehensive Ministry Team. You know, that includes uh, outreach ministry leader, missions, men's, women's fellowship prayer, welcome team, communications. There's other, uh, others as well, and let me tell you, They are incredible people. 
You know, even just as an example, um, many of you were a part of base camp too and enjoyed that time together. But let me tell you, it didn't just happen because someone said, hey, let's have base camp too, all right? I actually wrote down the other day all the ministry areas that, um, that were involved in base camp too, in preparing and in, in seeing that happen. We had discipleship ministry, music ministry, we had kids ministry, we had fellowship ministry, we had men's ministry, we had uh, some others. I I don't have them written here, okay? I wrote them down somewhere else, they're over there. (laughs) But so many of those ministries came together and, and that's how Base Camp 2 happened. And as God is working in those ministries, it allows God to do his thing, right? It allows God to impact lives. And you know what? There's many more areas of ministry that God is going to raise up people to be a part of. Whether it's a, the Great Commission team or, or CareNet, like we've been talking about, CareNet leaders or, or prayer leaders who can just kind of uh, organize and get us ready for prayer. You know, and, and actually the, the big, hairy, audacious goals that we've talked about uh, often, right? Guess what? These aren't going to happen because of four pastors, okay? There's no way I can promise you that. <laughs> but God is going to raise up leaders to be involved in, in seeing these things accomplished. Ultimately, it's our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, Right? who enables us and allows us and blesses us as we seek to do what he has called us to do. But the idea is this, and you saw this, this last weekend, the, the, this uh, illustration, this picture of uh, kind of ministry areas, groups of people, focuses, uh, that, that people can kind of gather around and say, okay, this one's mine. I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to allow God to use me in this area. And, and, and uh, together, we get a lot more done. We cover more ground. We meet more needs as a body. And that's what uh, we're seeking to do together. And that's what ministry leaders are doing. They're sharing the good news. Uh, they're, they're preparing us for worship. They're doing so many things. And, and uh, we are privileged to have those leaders among us. Maybe God is calling you to be more involved in the ministry area. Maybe he's calling you to be more involved in what he's doing. Maybe there's a passion of your heart. And, and maybe it is just being involved in that ministry area and letting someone else take that leadership. But maybe God is saying, okay, I want you to do it. So we've looked at why do we need ministry leaders and, and what do they do? Now we want to look at some, uh, what do ministry leaders look like? And there are some things that the Lord says that we should look for in these ministry leaders. And they are found in the same passage that we looked at for pastors last weekend. Now, I, I, we, we need to be careful here because after hearing that list last week, it could almost sound like, wow, <laughs> no, I don't think we could do that, right? I guess I'm just going to have to serve it some other way. But obviously, as, as we talked about last week, we need to approach both of these lists as some, some characteristics of a spiritually mature person. 
So since uh, these ministry leaders will be assisting the pastors in carrying out the ministry, they need to be solid, mature followers of Christ. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but serious about, uh, but serious about that, just like they were in Acts chapter eight, um, Acts chapter six, and Exodus eighteen. They're saying, "Okay, we need to, to find some leadership for these areas so that uh, God's work can be accomplished in this place." And by the way, many people think that mature Christians means uh, someone who who knows all uh, about the Bible, you know, and, and who, when they watch Jeopardy, they, they see that uh, Old Testament uh, thing line come up, right, category, and they go, this is awesome. I'm going to get every single one of these, right? But that's not what it means to be spiritually mature. Actually, spiritual maturity means that you were serious about living out the Bible and that that is what this list is focusing on. You know, God's word says, I want you to be doers of the word and not hearers only. I don't want you to just know about it. I want you to do it. Live it out. And so we're going to look at some of those, uh, um, some of those qualifications, some of those things that are, are specifically for uh, this role as those who would be ministry leaders. In Second Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, First Timothy, chapter three, verse eight. You know, uh, several several of these verses speak directly to, to the men who would be a part of this this uh, who would be ministry leaders. It says in verse eight, deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also serve. Uh, as deacons, if they are beyond reproach. Look down at, at verse 12. Deacons must be the husbands of w- only one wife and good managers of their children and their households. You know, we, we talked about uh, many of these characteristics last weekend as, as well. But, but this idea, uh, let's just look at some of them. The, uh, these ministry leaders should be people of dignity. Uh, the idea is, is people who are honorable. People of good character. Another is, is uh, um, it says here in this passage, not double-tongued. No, it speaks of a person of integrity. Not saying one thing with one person and, and another thing with another person. Not a hypocrite or a pretender or a faker, but a person of integrity. You also see the, the phrase, not addicted to much wine, not controlled by alcohol. It literally says he does not turn his mind to much alcohol. He fo- uh, does not focus his attention on much alcohol. And some say that, that this means that he can have some, just not overdo it. Again, many believe that this wasn't an outright prohibition because it was used for water purification, but that the alcohol content today was, was in a different category and was totally forbidden. And last week, we, we uh, talked about that idea that it's just not a good idea for leaders of others. You can see those examples in, in Proverbs chapter 20 and Proverbs chapter 23. Uh, of those who are leading, you need to have a clear mind. You need to be uh, um, seeking the Lord and not letting anything cloud that. And as Pastor Robbie shared with us last weekend, we are all leaders of someone, aren't we? We're all leading. 
Another uh, idea in here that, that is a character of someone who is to be a ministry leader is not fond of sordid gain. Not someone who is controlled by money. You know, if this person is going to be involved in ministry, there is no place for someone who is money-hungry in God's ministry. There, there are also to be people who are holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. The idea here is, is walking with God. That there is not a clear, known sin in his life that he does not deal with. That he is pushing aside. This person is also, uh, it says that they are to, to have been tested. To be mature. People who are given responsibility over God's work should show some level of maturity. You know, and, and many churches let anyone serve in this role, but, but according to this passage, that's not to be the case. Someone who is uh, beyond reproach or, or blameless. Again, like we talked about last week, not perfect, but nothing can be brought against them. And then in verse 12, uh, the husband of one wife and, and good managers of, of children in a household. The idea of a faithful husband and a good father. Again, we talked about this last time, but, but some have taken this to mean no divorce. But it likely means that this person is faithful to his wife. Someone who has a track record of faithfulness. So uh, let's, let's look at verse 11 as well in, in this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate and faithful in all things. You know, there's much debate about this idea of whether in this passage it's talking about the wives of these ministry leaders or if it's talking about uh, ladies who are ministry leaders. And when we put all the evidence together, it seems more likely that uh, this is referring to women who serve as ministry leaders. And some of those characteristics that were specific for them was uh, someone who is honorable, just like above. Someone with good character, dignified, it said. And not a slanderer of others. It said in, in uh, the NASB, not a malicious gossip. Not someone who's tearing others down or talking about others behind their back. Also, someone who is temperate or, or attentive. And uh, this, just like we talked about last week, uh, this literally means holding no wine or not mixed with or not involved with wine. And the idea would be not hindered in your thinking, but sober, having clarity of mind, paying attention, seeing what's going on around you. Also, another characteristic is faithful, faithful in all things. She is trustworthy. She can be depended on. And I love kind of the summary uh, in, in verse 13, let's read it together. Uh, well, you don't have to read it, don't worry. I'll, I'll read it, but you can read it. Okay, I'm just going to read it, okay? <laughs> it says, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and have uh, great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. He says, It will grow your faith. If you take on this responsibility, if you say, okay, God, you can use me in this way, it is going to stretch you. It is not going to be comfortable. It is not going to be easy. But it will grow your faith in God. It will stretch you beyond what you think you are capable because God is working through you. Wow. 
And again, I, as we emphasize all these things, I believe that we should take it more organically than ecclesiastically or, or formally. You know, really, it's, it's uh, as we think about just it's how, it, how it needs to happen. It's not a position or a title or something that we should say uh, a point of pride in, in any regard. It's just saying, okay, we want to see needs met. We want to see God working in people's lives and people growing in Christ. So we have pastors, and they can't do it all, so we need some others, trusted men and women, to help them. You know, the last two messages might seem like a lot, but think about it. It's kind of God's pattern that he shared with us in his word. We need some pastors to provide that direction and protection, and we need some ministry leaders to assist them to facilitate the different areas of ministry. It's pretty simple, right? And this is what we need to be doing as a body. This is how we can be uh, supporting those who are leading out in those ways. Pray for them. Pastors and ministry leaders, they are dependent upon God for Him to do His work. And we need to be seeking the Lord together for them. Support them by carrying the load, by serving with them, by saying, you know what, God has not called me to that role, but I will be there for you if you need anything. Let me help you. In, in that ministry area uh, that, that you're leading out on, maybe that's something that, that I can be a part of and help in that area. And let them challenge you to trust God and to step out. I mean, I know the, the ministry leaders here at New Hope would probably say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm nothing great. I'm nothing important. I'm just seeking to serve my Lord because he's done so much for me. And they've taken that step of faith and said, okay, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. You know I have a passion for this. Would you use me? That's challenging. You know, maybe God is speaking to you about getting more involved in his work. Maybe... Uh, it's, it's that ministry leader, but maybe it's coming alongside of them and helping them. Maybe you've been waiting, and now it's time to take that step. If God wants to use you like this, let me ask you, is there any sin that would hinder you? Is there anything in your life that you would say, okay, Lord, as, as we've talked about these things, uh, you brought something up for me. I need to deal with that. Actually, I need you to deal with that. Would you deal with that so that you can use me? In fact, if these are the goals for God's leaders, if these are the things that that God is saying, would you uh, uh, show some spiritual maturity? Would you live out what God is doing and what God has spoken about? Don't we all want to live like that? Don't we all want to respond when God says, here's something that I want you to take care of? Here's something that I want to address with you. Isn't that something that we should all be saying, okay, Lord, I surrender to you. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. You know, you look at and maybe these qualifications, some of these things that are happening and you say, you know, I fall short. <laughs> Let me tell you, we all do. That's why we needed a Savior. 
Maybe God is speaking to you this morning about having a relationship with him. It is incredible that the God of this universe would say, okay, I see you. I know you. I know the the heart that's in you. And I want you. I want to rescue you. I want to save you. I want to give you a hope and a future. Wow, that he would do that in our lives. That's incredible. Listen, God wants to do that in your life too. You are not the exception. He says, I want your life. I want to rescue you. I want to save you. Let's pray together. Father, as we seek after you, as we seek to abide by your word, Lord, you have given us a lot to think about, to seek you about. Lord, you have challenged us. Lord, do you want me to step up? Do you want me to step forward? Just like you said to Peter, in the middle of that storm, Come on out on the water. Step out of what you think is safe and comfortable. And I will show you the glory that can come from your life. Father, if there is someone here who has not yet said yes to you, pray that you would Help them to make that decision today. That they would call on your name, turning from our sin, saying, God, I need you for my life and for my eternity. You are my only hope. In Jesus' name.